Hi, you're listening to An Open Dialogue. I'm Violet Howe. And I'm Todra Kendall. And today we are talking about books that have inspired us. Yes. So, um, and, and it can be any sort of book. It can be a nonfiction book. It can be a self-help book. It can be a fiction book. There's all sorts of different books out there. And I feel like when we read things, they touch us in different ways. They speak to us in different ways. And sometimes we enjoy a book. And we set it aside and we don't really think about it again. But sometimes books kind of speak to something in us and they inspire us and it makes a change in who we are having read yeah, them. Definitely. And I think you can um, you can sometimes tell a, a lot about a person and whether and how much you will have in common with them based on if you have books in common that have inspired you like if I say oh have you ever read books by Madeline Langle and the other person's like oh my gosh A Wrinkle in Time A Swiftly Tilting Planet was life-changing and I'm like okay I, I have a lot I can talk yeah, I ground. can talk to yeah. this person yeah. or yeah so um yeah I think that that's I think that's absolutely true what's the earliest book that you remember being inspired by the Little House on the Prairie series okay right. I had um I had an aunt, well, let me, let me say, I have an aunt who, um, who taught me to read from a very, very early age, and um, he's your dog, Charlie Brown, <laughs> is the first book that I could, could read straight through, but um, I got this, like, box set of the Little House in the Prairie books, and I was fascinated, like, I, I felt like I was in her world, I felt like I knew these people I would go out in my little backyard and I would stack up we had firewood because we had a big fireplace and I would stack up the firewood to make the walls of my log cabin and <laughs> I would you, me and my friend Laura Ingalls Wilder would play and and um I yeah I was probably in I don't know maybe like f fifth grade at the time mm. and those books just opened up this world of of escaping yeah for me yeah, I had, uh, we had read them. Um, I think my parents must have fallen through the crack, like that that they came out after my parents were too old, you know, to really have been affected by them themselves. Um, but so my dad had met Laura's daughter, Rose, while he was in Vietnam. She was a correspondent, um, a journalist in Vietnam. And she he actually had met her there. Um, while he was uh, serving there. And so when, I, I don't even know how he discovered the books, but I know that I had them all very early and my dad read to me every night before I went to bed. And so we read all those books and that was a big, I mean, we then went to, like on our way across the country, we went to Mansfield, Missouri. We've been, I've been to the little house in the big woods. Um, I've been to the little house on the prairie. I, I, I've, I've, I've visited a lot of Laura, um, what, what would you call them? Um, locations monuments or yeah, yeah you know yeah. like uh, uh you know the, the places yes we we've gone on the pilgrimages um and I've often said that that is kind of my dream trip is to is to like trace that whole area and then just go from place to even the ones I've always been to and go from place to place um I have pictures which I will try to share on on the open dialogue page of me with her grave Oh, okay. I know. It's very exciting. You know, it's very exciting. <laughs> well, no, you and I have <laughs> talked before about graves and yes. you and I have visited cemetery. We have. We have. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's me as a 15-year-old girl with Laura Ingalls Wilder's grave, you know. It's it's pretty exciting. Um, and Rose and also and Almanzo too. So yeah, so I I totally get that. That would that would be that would have been a very um, and I did the same thing. You know, I had bonnets. There's a lot of pictures of me at a certain age always wearing a bonnet. <laughs> that was 
So what do you, what <laughs> is your earliest, like what is your earliest memory of a book that really inspired you or stuck with you or spoke to you? Two books I remember reading very, very early. My, my first one that I read all the way through since you're talking about that was Mr. Pine's Mixed Up Signs. Aww. I highly recommend it. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll not see the surprise ending. <laughs> um, but um, for me, it's, it's always split between what I read myself and what my dad read to me because he always tended to experience. read books. Yes. He yeah. always tended to read books that were a little bit above me so that I would be challenged um, because then we could talk about them. Um, I remember reading Gone with the Wind when I was probably eight or nine, and that was hugely influential for me because I had a grandmother who had I had the, the grandmother at whose house I read it um, was a huge Gone with the Wind fan she had she had all of the and I now have them all of the um, uh, programs mm-hmm. and everything yeah. from when the movie premiered she has all these different things like from the premiere in Atlanta I have no idea how she got it but she did all this stuff um, she had a first edition which is what I read um, it was, you know, it was really very cool. My, the other grandmother I had actually was born and raised on a plantation. And, and so I could talk to her about that. So it became this kind of, you know, link to be able to, to talk about uh, that kind of thing. Um, and, and at the same time, or not too long after, I read a book called Love is Eternal, which was the, it's, a, it's the Irving Stone biography, uh, and biography is a word that I'm using loosely, of Mary Todd Lincoln. So, I mean, two books that clearly were set in the same time period, but vastly different points of view and purposes and and what have you. But it definitely um, kicked off a love of all things Civil War in my life. So, Gone with the Wind was the first book that I read multiple times. Mm -hmm. And um, I would always, my brother would laugh at me because I would start crying pages before certain events in the book happened because I knew they were coming and I, and I would I would start crying before they even happened and um, I uh, loved the book loved the movie felt like Scarlett O'Hara was some type of idol and, and this was when I was like you know 13 14 yeah and it's funny because I a few years ago um, watched the movie again and there's a whole different view of Scarlet. Like it's yeah. funny, it's funny how 30 years of life experiences changed my view of Scarlet O'Hara that I was like, wow, she's a bit of a small brat. I mean, definitely tenacious and definitely yeah. strong and, and driven and motivated and all those things. But I, I definitely had a different view of her in reading it uh, when I was older. What about Chronicles of Narnia? Did you read that when you were younger? No, never. No, I still have not. Um, Clint really? has. I've seen the movies. I've I've seen all the the various movies. My kids have read um, the entire, you know, uh, set. And I will say to them, "Oh, does this mean something or whatever?" I, it just it, it just was never something that I necessarily. Um, I loved yeah. the wine, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but mm-hmm. um, the others did not hold my interest as much as mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, the Magician's Nephew. Uh, my my kids really loved. I think that's the first one. That's the one that comes before Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Because right. they actually build the wardrobe out of the tree that's in that book, which explains why it's a portal to Narnia. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> the book's been out a while. I think yeah, it's people been out a while, have read you know, it. But just in case. Yes. All yeah. right. So then, so then moving on like out of... Um, 
out of childhood or out of, yeah. well, I guess we can stay in, in teenagers. Did you read, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. I did. I did. And I and I remember liking that one. Um, and I also read uh, Harriet the Spy, which was another, Harriet the Spy, and there was another book that was a companion to that one. They were the same, like the same character. It was a different character's point of view, but can't remember what that one was, um, but but also around the same time. Um, I tended, which I know this won't be a surprise to you, if there was a book that everybody was like, oh my gosh, all girls this age have to read it, I tended to be very skeptical about it. I tended right. to be very kind of jaded and cynical. Um, I, I did enjoy Are You There, God? But it was not a be-all, end-all to me. Um, that was that was maybe not my favorite. There was one called Look Through My Window. Did you ever read that? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I can't remember who wrote it. Jean, somebody wrote it. And that was very good. I love that one because it was about uh, a girl whose aunt has been diagnosed with tuberculosis. And, um, and because of that, they end up... Uh, all her cousins end up moving in with her. All her, they're much younger. She, this is this kid who's a girl who's been an only child forever, and all her younger cousins end up moving in with them. They move to this big house where she knows nobody, and she ends up making friends who, who you know, uh, change her life and she changes theirs. And it's 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 just it was a good it was a good story for that kind of preteen angsty age, um, yeah. And it was it was. Uh, that was again one of my favorites, and another one that I kind of passed on to my kids. Um, Anne of Green Gables. Did you read all of those? I did not. Okay, that was another one that was hugely, hugely. I, I liked the, I liked Anne of Green Gables, the first one, which was it was great. But the other books, actually, the the books that came after, actually spoke more to me. And the final book is called Rilla of Ingleside, and it is my favorite, and it. Like it's like like what you were saying with Gone with the Wind. I will cry. I I, I can start crying telling you about parts of this book. So yeah, yeah. All right. And then what about um, what about an adulthood? Like what books have have really stuck with you or have inspired you or? Oh gosh. Um, hmm. It, it's really hard to say. It's it's been different books in different parts of my life. Um, Celia Garth is one that I reread every little bit. It's a historical romance um, about the revolution. Um, oh, what else? Good Lord. A lot of nonfiction books. Um, and they tend to be inspirational for the time that I'm, I'm in. Do you ever have that where, where you know that you were reading a book that you were meant to read at this time, that maybe yes. you picked it up to read it three months before and it said nothing to you, but then you pick it up and you're like, oh my gosh, I yes, need it. Yes, because it depends on where you are. It does. Life. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I feel like, like for me, that's Eat, Pray, Love. Um, okay. Eat, Pray, Love I read after um, having gone through a divorce and, and all of the, you know, the feelings and emotions and everything that come with that. And, um, you know, there's a scene in Eat, Pray, Love where she's on the bathroom floor and having this conversation with God and, and it just really spoke to me and I feel like that book 
gave me permission to forgive myself. Mm. Um, there were a lot of things, you know, any, anytime a marriage ends, there's obviously a lot involved in that. And a lot of things that you can think, well, if I had done this, or if I had said that, or if I had done this, and um, Eat, Pray, Love gave me, um, gave me a way to, to find forgiveness okay. and, um, and really stuck with me. And it's funny because I think, you know, had I read that book, um, at a different time in my life, it probably wouldn't have affected me the same way. Hmm. You know, that's very interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of like where I was in life and, and what was going on with me at the time and what I needed to hear. I've never read it, but I have, um, uh, I have read other books by Elizabeth Gilbert and I very much enjoy them. I like her nonfiction a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, that really speaks to me right now. There are a group of nonfiction authors who, I am like pinging from one to the other. Um, uh, Jen Hatmaker, Elizabeth Gilbert, Brene Brown, um, Glennon Doyle. Uh, I've read hers because she doesn't. She she doesn't. She has just the you know. She doesn't have a lot of books out per se. Um, but yes, I have read hers. Um, Abby I just Wambach. Abby Wambach. I just read hers. Um, but it, it's in all in that same kind of, uh, of, of group of people. Um, Anne Lamott, I can always. I love uh, Anne I love Lamott. Anne. That's, I know. that's definitely another one that came to me at, at the right yes. time and spoke to me in the right yeah. way. And I actually um, was struggling with some things with my um, religious beliefs and, and kind of struggling with coming to terms with some things. And my pastor's wife at the time shared um, Anne Lamott's Plan B uh-huh. book. And really, really spoke to me, really inspired me. Again, it was one of those those books that kind of helped me work through some things that I was going through and, and kind of helped me, um, you know, open up to, to what I was feeling. So definitely, yeah. definitely Anne Lamott. Um, Catherine Marshall uh, was somebody who I discovered very early on because my grandmother uh, had, had her book. Anytime my grandmother had a book laying around, I would pick it up and read it. And um, I loved Christy. I, I really enjoyed that. And I also um, Oh, enjoyed, I loved Christy. Yes. And I, I loved um, another book that she wrote that was about the floods in Pennsylvania. And, and the name, again, escapes me at the moment. But um, I really heard Catherine's nonfiction very much spoke to me. I felt as though, I always felt as though if only, if only I had gotten to meet her while she was alive, I, she and I would have been great friends. I feel that same way about Madeline Langle. I just finished a, a, a nonfiction by Madeline Langle called A Stone for a Pillow. And it just was like, I was raving about this book. And the, the, the funny thing about it was that I had gotten it at a thrift store, started to read it, said to my husband, oh my gosh, I love this book, whatever. Cleaned my room, lost the book. Could not oh, you're find it. Was not, and <laughs> oh, I mean, like, no. tore all over. And I was like, fine. It just was clearly I was not meant to finish it. Um, and then about two months ago, uh, well, actually, yeah, about that, as I was Marie Kondoing under my bed, I found <laughs> it. It had slipped it into a, a tote. And so I finished reading it and I needed to read it. That part of the book I needed to read now. So it was just, and I rec- I said to all my girls, oh my gosh, you've got to read this. You've got to, you know, so um, 
and I love that. I love being able to say to my to my my girls, "Oh my gosh, this is a book that you you absolutely have to read." And we you know we kind of ping back and forth about that and and, and recommend things. Um, Katie right now is reading a Jen Hatmaker, and I just finished another Jen Hatmaker, and so I'm sending her bits of it, going, "Okay, as soon as you finish For the Love, you have to go into Of Moxie and Of Mess because it is just." And I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe she'll get it, but she might not because I think it's a, a book that is specifically for my time in life. So who knows? It'll speak to her on some level, but anyway. On some level. Yeah, on some level. But Well, and if anything, like I feel like sometimes we get to know people. If I read a book that someone's recommended, it's almost like getting to know them on a yes. different layer, you know, yeah. because if that book spoke to them, even if the book doesn't speak to me, it gives me a greater understanding of the true. person who recommended it. Very true. What's, so. what's one that you've read in the last few years that has stuck with you? Um, in the last few years, I have to think about this. Mm -hmm. um, November 9, Colleen Hoover. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I really... I really enjoyed that book and I, I really loved, I, I struggle sometimes with like my writing is not, um, my own writing is not conventional. Like it doesn't fit neatly into the box. It doesn't fit the little formula that people want it to fit in in order to market. And in reading Colleen's books, like Colleen's books don't really fit that formula either. You know, uh -huh, she, her, her books, you know, weave in different ways and, and tell from different points of view and kind of, you know, reveal the story un un you know, unpack the story like an onion, peeling back layers at a time. And I really liked that. And I really enjoyed that read. And it was um, something that I definitely um, really liked, you know, and, and it was great finding a new author. Outlander definitely mm -hmm. is, is something that I, I don't, I don't know that I've ever been that passionate about a book and about a book series. Um, we've talked about before like I started that series the end of January and by the end of March I had finished like the whole thing and like I yeah. I didn't want to sleep I didn't want to eat <laughs> I didn't want to do anything I just wanted to to be in that world and live in that world and again Diana's a very unconventional writer very true. um you know the way that she tells her stories the way she interjects other people's point of view the way she introduced the hero like just different things that she doesn't follow the rules and I, I find myself inspired by those types of writers because I don't like following the rules in my own writing true true yeah I, I, I can definitely understand that um yeah I you know and I think did you find your reading style and by, by that I'm not saying what style of books you read but how you read books change as you became an author yes yeah um and, and not only not only with with reading but with watching shows and movies too mm -hmm. um my son and I were watching something and the way that they there was like one line and with that one line of dialogue they told you an incredible amount of backstory on these two characters and it was so clever and I'm, I'm trying to think of exactly what the line was it was in the movie um hell or high water okay. and it was between the two brothers and there was like there was like one sentence that was said that you knew like okay he's been in jail he's the older brother this one has been at home taking care of the mother and is divorced and has kids and he's kind of the rule follower and he the this one that's been to jail is kind of the wild one and you got all this information from like one sentence of dialogue and i think um as someone who struggles not to put a whole lot of backstory 
into my books. Like I tend to write way too much backstory and way too much information mm -hmm. to read or hear someone be able to take all of that information and condense it into one very strong sentence fascinates me. And I think that now when I read, I'm much more conscious of things like that, um, conscious of tools that the author uses to get information across. I'm conscious of how the author uses point of view. Um, I'm definitely conscious of sentences that aren't clear or, you know, paragraphs that get bogged down. So yeah, I definitely mm -hmm. think writing has influenced my reading. Yes, I, I would agree. And I'm also very conscious. Um, I tend to be a sponge writer, whatever. And I think I've said this before. So whatever I'm reading, I tend to, my, my writing will then reflect it. So if I'm writing something, I have to, I either, I, I've actually gotten to the point where I really only want to read nonfiction while I'm, I'm in an in a active writing phase. Because if I am reading a book that is present tense, I read a lot of uh, new adult sports romance, and a lot of those tend to be written in the present tense. And so it's really, I'll, I'll then go through sections of my own book and find that I've switched to present tense, which is not me. I don't do that. Um, so that's, that's tough. Um, and, and just with uh, third person, first person, whatever, I, I, I have to be careful. Accents, uh, that will affect me. Um, yeah, so I, I try to be very conscious of that. Um, and I also tend to be a, a very empathetic reader. I told a, a favorite author of mine this once and I think she thinks I'm crazy because she's kind of been like, oh, okay. Um, I read a book, I think it was last year, where the main character had a, um, a concussion at the beginning. She got a concussion at the beginning of the book and during the entire book it was kind of uh, a, a sub-story to the romance was that she was trying to get over this concussion. She was going through the concussion protocol, so on. And I literally had a headache the entire time I read the book. <laughs> and I know it was because of the book I was reading. And I will, my, my um, emotional state can change based on, you know, if, if the character's going yeah. through a really rough time, I'll be like, yeah. I can't handle this. You need to, you know. <laughs> so. Um, well, and I find a, too, if I get really deep in to a book or if, if you know if I if I spend a huge block of time reading and then I come out of it like almost not sure where I'm at you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> like kind of like where right. you're feeling like you're still yeah. in that book world or, yeah. or like you feel like things happen and and I know that I told you about the scene that I was writing in this last yeah. book where I was really in the scene and I looked down and I was in my pajamas and it kind of like shocked me that I was in my pajamas, which it shouldn't have, because it's quite normal for it to be one or two in the afternoon, maybe in my pajamas, unfortunately. But I looked down and I was like, how, wait, where did, when, when did I change back into my pajamas? Because in my head, I had been somewhere. I had been somewhere <laughs> that day and I couldn't remember coming home and putting my pajamas back on. And then I was like, well, wait, where did, where did I go? Where was I? And then it dawned on me that it wasn't me at all. It was the characters. Yeah. My characters had been somewhere and I had been so in that scene with them yes. than in my head I'd gone somewhere. Yes, yeah. So. And, we, and we've talked about it from, from my point of view that I've said, I, I will say, but I was just to New Orleans. Just a yes. little, like, no, yes. no, no, it's actually been quite a few years, but in my head I was there or I was in California or I was in London. So, you know. Or like when reading Outlander and, and going oh. on very little sleep, I, I started incorporating 
like I started incorporating Gaelic into my yes. language, like you can and, you know, Denifash. Yeah. <laughs> my husband's looking at me like, what are you talking about? Know. You know? Yes. So, um, so yeah, sometimes kind of, or like when I'm reading, um, like when I was reading Divergent, like I found that I was, I, I don't know how to explain it, but like if I'm walking to the mailbox, like I'm walking with my shoulders squared and I'm like looking around for everybody, like looking, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just tend to get in this mindset of who the character, I think that's one of the reasons that I really like first person point of view Yeah, is because I feel like I'm in the character's head and I'm yes. seeing things as they see it. And then, and then you kind of get this mindset of that character of, of, of being strong or of being in danger or of being, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, and that can be a bad thing. My friend and I came out of, we saw gone in 60 seconds at a midnight movie when it first came out and um, we came out and, and we talked about the next morning that like on the way home from that movie, we just wanted to like speed, you know, because in that movie, there's all these car chase scenes and you come out of that movie and you're just like flooring it. Like even though we're, you know, cutting through Disney property. So I, I do think sometimes you get so wrapped up in a story that it kind of seeps into your reality. Well, you do. Um, and, I, and I think I may have shared this before. Stephen King was, you know, he was pumping out books when I was in high school and I read, I read just about everything. Salem's Lot was so um, affected me so much that I, I made myself physically ill. I was terrified. I was the only one in my family who had a first floor bedroom. And I was terrified that if I opened my curtain even a little bit, I was going to see the vampire at the window because there's a very, very scary scene where the kid looks out his second floor window and there's his friend who's a vampire. Well, I don't I mean, ever look out a window. No, well, ever. exactly. And, and, <laughs> Not at night. And it reminds me too of when I went to see, I, I'm a big Anne Rice fan and I went to see, um, when it came out, Interview with Vampire, which I had read of course and loved and, and whatever. And usually, usually for me, um, the book affects me more than a movie ever could. I mean, I can see a scary movie and, and, and sleep like a baby, but read a book and forget it. I'm done because my head can always come up with scarier things than anybody could put on the silver screen. However, I went to see this movie. Um, I think Haley was a baby or, or young. I went to see it with my sister and she dropped me off at my house and it was probably midnight or thereafter. And I had to walk across the lawn in the dark. And I just remember being terrified because the last scene in that movie was him was uh um uh, tom cruise falling into the who was it who was driving the car um phoenix river phoenix is yeah. driving the car across the bridge and and all of a sudden boom there's tom cruise in the car talking to him and I was just, I was, I was just waiting. I was just waiting for Tom Cruise to land on my porch as I was in. And I would just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I really was, I was really scared about that. So <sighs> I tell you, it's, it's, it's the Pet Cemetery. Thing. I had to stop oh, reading Stephen King after Pet no, Cemetery because I, I was living with my grandmother at the time and she had this cat oh. who just was evil. Like this cat would like... <laughs> I, and I know all cats weave in and out of your legs, but I swear to you, this cat would try its best to trip you. And I would stay up late at night reading. And so my window was the only one with the light on. And this cat would jump up and sit in my window. And like, but whenever it jumped up, it would hit the window right above my head. And, and, and in my mind, this cat was like the cat from Pet Cemetery. And I actually quit reading Stephen King books because of that, because it was just, yeah. it was too much. It was, it was um, too scary for me. Absolutely. And, and I have had, I had many others that affected me uh, 
similarly with him. So it's the it's the price we pay for a creative brain. That's what I tell myself anyway. Tis. It is. So So I have a long list of um TBR of, of books to be read uh-huh. that I've had recommended. Um, a, a couple definitely from you. I've heard from several people that Liz Gilbert's, um, oh, what is the one with, with that she talks about dreams? Like that she talks about, it's, I think it's big something. Oh, yes. Yes. It's one of the, it was it the one that I read recently. Yeah. 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 It's but I've had several people ago. recommend it. I'm going to look it up. Hold on. Yeah. And um, she just came out the with Abby Wambach. Book. Yes, yes. That one. Do you know the title? It's Wolf, Wolf Pack, Pack or something. It is Wolf, Wolf Pack. Pack. Yes, it's, okay. it's definitely Wolf Pack. So that one is is one that that has been recommended. Yes, that was good. And um, of Moxie and of Mess. Of Moxie, Big Magic. Big was Magic. The, was, that's was the Liz yes, Gilbert that's what book. It is. So yes, that one. I Big Magic recommend. is on my um, list. It is. And um, Abby Wambach's Wolf Pack mm-hmm. is on my list. And um, yeah, so a couple of books to inspire. We would love to hear what books have inspired you guys? Like yeah. what is something that has really stuck with you? What is something that um, that you've read multiple times or, or it's inspired you or it's in some way changed your way of thinking or helped you work through something, whether that be a nonfiction book, a fiction book, whatever. So let us know, reach out to us. You can, um, you can let us know on the Open Dialogue Facebook page. Please do. Or on our Gmail mm-hmm. at um, anopendialogue1 at gmail.com or um, our social media any method of social media that's right you're at violethell.com right yes and i'm at todricandle.com yes and we're on facebook and twitter and instagram and possibly even just on your street walking around you never know you just <laughs> probably not up. but yeah <laughs> and if either one of our books has in any way inspired you or moved you or made you read it multiple times please let us know <laughs> because that would be freaking awesome so it's true that would be wonderful all right. now, now I'm like inspired to write a book that will that will inspire that will other inspire. people, right? You should title it Inspiring. Yes, this is the book that will inspire you. That's what I'm going to title yes. it. And everybody will this want to read it. This book will inspire you. This book you. is your inspiration. Yes, yes, there we go. That sounds good. Well, thank you for being with me today. You inspire me on a daily basis. Oh, and right back at you. <laughs> Doesn't that just make you sick? <laughs> <laughs> inspires me to get up and go puke. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.